Welcome to the Roundtable History Podcast. Today, we'll be taking you through a wonderful exhibit exploring the beginnings and ends of the ancient Roman civilization. Today, we have the wonderful opportunity to be sponsored by the American Museum of Natural History. The American Museum of Natural History presents to you a walk through ancient Rome. Now sit back and relax as we take you through a wonderful journey through Rome. All right, let's get started. Section 1. The Rise of Rome. What you're looking at here is a terracotta barrel-shaped jug. It was believed to be made from 725 to 700 BC. This piece was made by the Etruscans. This painted ornament was heavily influenced by the Greek and their form of geometric pottery. The pottery shows two goats flanking a tree of life. This same design has been found in other parts of Rome. This piece of pottery was made by the Etruscans. The Etruscans were a group of people who settled in Italy after 800 BC. The early development of Rome was greatly influenced by the Etruscans the most. Pottery was an important part of daily life in Rome and was influenced a lot by the Etruscans. The Romans went on to further develop pottery into their own but started off with Etruscan design. This wasn't where their influence ended. They were located north of Rome in Etruria. After 615 BC, they went on to expand into north central Italy. They went on to control most of Rome and most of Latinum. The Etruscans took Rome from settlements of huts and simple dwellings into a true city. They also helped with building of sewers in Rome. This helped make the city of Rome more clean and hygienic. Classical Rome architectural style was also majorly influenced by the Etruscans. They helped Romans have a basis for both engineering and building, which would go on to help them devise advanced systems to help their cities grow. They also helped influence the fashion of Romans. They would dress in togas and short cloaks, which got adapted by the Romans. Early Rome from 753 to 509 BC was under the control of seven kings. Two of the last three were Etruscans. Eventually, the Romans overthrew the last Etruscan king and established a republic. All right, let's do some afterthoughts. So what we can conclude from what we've learned. All right, let's do some afterthoughts. So um, if we use our historical context and our historical thinking skills, we can 
gather what we've learned from the last section and come to some conclusions on how exactly the Etruscans influenced Rome. So, as we can see, they were running under a monarchy before they turned into a republic. And because of this type of rule, the people felt the need to revolt and demand for a new form of government. So, if Rome had never been under this type of um, monarchy, maybe they would have never had the want or need to revolt against the standing um, kings. And without that, maybe they would have never went down the direction of a republic and maybe would have gone down a different direction in terms of government. Not only that, but they also influenced what kind of technology and what kind of architecture they used. Um, As the Etruscans were also very greatly um, influenced by Greece. So all those little things are what gave Rome a basis to what they became. Section 2, Roman Law. This is a reproduction of the Twelve Tablets, which can be found at the Museo della Silvi Roma. The Twelve Tablets were a set of laws inscribed on twelve bronze tablets. Originally created in 451 to 450 BC, they were allegedly written by the ten commissioners at the instance of the plebeians. The original tablets may have been destroyed when the Gauls burned Rome in 387 BC. Early Rome was divided into two different groups, the patricians and the plebeians. The patricians were landowners and ultimately were Rome's ruling class. The plebeians were less wealthy landowners, craftspeople's, merchants, and small farmers. Both of these groups were eligible to vote, but only the patricians could be elected. There was a standing senate at this time, although they weren't the only assembly during this time. The Centuriate Assembly was an assembly filled with many of the wealthy class, making it hard for those with no status to participate in an assembly. Because of this, plebeians went on to create their own assembly. They sought both political and social equality, like the patricians. The Council of the the Plebs was created in 471 BC. In the 4th century BC, The plebeians were able to become council members. They were able to create their first code of laws, the Twelve Tablets, which came to be in 450 BC. The Twelve Tablets went on to push the creation of civil law, which is still in use today. Along with contributing to the creation of the Law of Nations, the legal rules permitting generally to foreigners when specific rules are unknown or in conflict. It was, u- it was to be used by all nations. It went on to do just that and influence Western politics. Section 3. Carthaginian Influence
This piece of art is a terracotta mask from Tharos. It's from the 6th century BCE. These types of masks were used to ward off evil spirits in the Carthaginian culture. They can also be found in numerous Punic tomes. Art that is found from the Carthaginian culture seems to share a mix of styles and different influences from other cultures, such as Egyptian motifs, Greek fashion, physician gods, and Etruscan patterns. The Carthaginians were the peoples in Western Mediterranean. The Carthaginian Empire included Northern Africa, Southern Spain, Sardinia, Corsica, and Western and Western Sicily. They had major control of Western Mediterranean trade, which made with Rome's fear of the Carthaginians rising mark the start of Rome's first war, Carthage, in 265 BC. This first war was started when the Romans sent an army to Sicily. This first war was started when the Romans sent an army to Sicily. The Carthaginians saw Sicily as a part of their empire. Therefore, they saw the Romans sending an army to Sicily as an act of war. Both sides wanted to conquer Sicily. The Romans didn't have the right resources to allow them to win this war. They knew they needed a navy, so that's exactly what they did. They used their new navy to use a Roman fleet to deflect the Carthaginian navy off the coast of Sicily. This made the, the war come to an end. After the war had ended, the Romans encouraged one of Carthage's Spanish allies to revolt against Carthage. Hannibal, who was the greatest Carthaginian general, sought revenge on Rome and struck back, starting the Second Punic War. Afterthoughts. So what we can collect from what we just learned is that the Punic Wars, which were started between the Carthaginians and the Romans, um, was a series of three wars between the Roman Republic and the Carthaginian Empire. So this resulted in the complete um, destruction of Carthage ultimately making Rome the biggest superpower in the Mediterranean world, um, which led them to great successes after that. Section 4. Tiberius. This is a statue of seated Tiberius one of the two famous brothers that brought prosperity to the working class of Rome. Made between the times of 41 to 54 CE, found in the Privenum. It was a part of an iconic cycle set up in a public building of the Roman colony of Privenum. Tiberius, along with his brother Gaius Gracchis, was a pair of tribunes of the plebs from the 2nd century BCE. They both believed that the reason behind Rome's problems was the decline of the small farmer. 
Both are members of the popular, a group of politicians who appealed to and fought for the average citizen. They fought for land reform along with other things. They have been deemed by historians as the founding fathers of socialism and popularism. Tiberius was born in 168 BCE. His proposal was that no one citizen would be able to possess more than 50 ugra of public land that was acquired during the wars. Any of the excess land would be given to the poor and the homeless in small plots of about 30 ugra per family. The Senate was completely against this as most of its members owned this land on a basis of wealth. With all of this, Tiberius was a very unpopular member with the senatorial elite. When King Athens III of Badigum passed away, he left all of his fortunes to the people of Rome. Tiberius wanted to take the king's fortune and use them for his own cause. Again, the Senate saw this as a direct attack on the senatorial power. Not too long after this, he was sitting for re-election. The Senate tried to intervene in his re-election by saying he had become a tyrant. On the night of his re-election, violence broke out between his followers and his opponents. Tiberius was beaten to death along with 300 other of his followers. He left a long-lasting effect on the Roman Republic, forever making the association between violence and the office of the Tribune. Okay, let's talk afterthoughts. As mentioned in the information we just got, historians believe that both Tiberius and Gaius were the founding fathers of both socialism and populism. And this stems from the fact that they were for the people and they fought for the poor and the less wealthy. They wanted to make sure that the poor and the common people had their rights and these were rights that they didn't have prior um, and those rights were specifically given to the wealthy. They also had a negative effect on the Roman Republic as it increased violence in the Roman Senate um, and it actually resulted in more oppression of the poor once they had both passed away. So although they had both positive and negative effects on ancient Rome and modern day, you can conclude that they were able to change the thinking of some people in ancient Rome and have them look at social class um, through a new lens and maybe think of a new way in constructing social class. Um, And they also gave people a new way to look at economic exploitation. Um, and possible ways to solve it. Section 5. Gaius Marius. This is a marble bust of Gaius Marius, a great war leader and politician. This piece of Roman artwork was from the 1st century BC. This piece was restored by Alexander Trapel. 
Gaius Marius was an accomplished military commander and politician who was famous for saving Rome. He was a famous, innovative general who made many reforms to Rome's military, forever changing how it operated. He made it so that the army was not under government control, giving the individual generals the power to enlist Romans from all classes into his army, even the less wealthy who would not have been given the opportunity before. This greatly expanded the Republic's recruitment pool. Instead of the troops being paid in money, they were a professional army of volunteers, ultimately making a new system of military that placed much power in the hands of individual generals. Lucius Cornelius Sewell was the next general to take advantage of Gaius's new system. He used this system to shape the Republican ideal shortly before it became submerged. He also went on to pave the way for Julius Caesar. All three men played an important role in shaping Rome for better or for worse. Alright, let's do some afterthoughts. So Gaius was able to make numerous changes to the Roman civilization. Um, one of the biggest changes that we just learned about was that he was able to replace the elected consuls and um, of the Senate with an empire that would be able to be inherited by members of the ruler's family. Um, this ultimately helped make Rome a stronger civilization um, and strengthened their uh, government. So not only did he do that, but he was also able to make numerous changes to the military, which allowed it to expand on a greater scale, which allowed him to make units of um, tactical teams that, that, were, um, that would specialize in certain tactics or certain weaponry. Um, so he was able to expand this military on a greater level than it already was, which allowed them to expand their empire more. So in conclusion, he was able to shape the Roman army um, all the way up till the third century AD. So he had a great um, play, um, part to play in the construction of the Roman military and how they were able to conquer like they were. Section six, Julius Caesar. This is the Tusculum portrait. It is a bust of Julius Caesar. It is the only intact portrait that was made during his lifetime. It is also the first known public rendition of Julius Caesar that looked lifelike. The Tusculum portrait was one of the only two accepted portraits of Caesar himself. It was made before the beginning of the Roman Empire, from 50 to 40 BC, made of fine, grained marble. Julius Caesar was one of the most influential people to come out of the Roman Empire. He helped Rome accomplish victory in many battles and wars. Not only did he help win many battles and wars, but Caesar's rule helped turn Rome from a republic into an empire. He was able to expand Rome's territories. The land of Gaul was a huge and very important asset to the empire. 
Julius Caesar was able to stabilize the territories under imperial control, which gave the rights to the Romans. In 60 BC, Caesar was a part of the first triumvirate with Pompey and Cassius. A triumvirate is a government of three people given equal power. Caesar was given a special military command of Gaul. Carassus was killed, leaving only two men. The senators believed that rule by Pompey would be best for them. They asked Caesar to lay down his command. When he spent his time in Gaul, he gained a variety of military experience and a major following. He moved into Italy illegally by crossing the Ripcon. Caesar marching on Rome is what started a civil war between him, Pompey, and his allies. He was officially named dictator in 45 BC. He weakened the power of the Senate, leading up to his assassination by leading senators in 44 BC. Alright, afterthoughts. So what we've learned is that Caesar was not only a powerful dictator, but also a statesman. Um, A lot of his strategies and tactics and forms of military engineering are still um, admired and studied today in our own um, military tactics. And... Caesar also played a major role in disabling the Republic and transitioning Rome into an empire, which greatly affects our modern-day civilization, because if Rome had never um, transitioned into an empire, we would have lost a lot of our scientific advancements, and um, we would have less diversity of language, as the empire allowed for peoples of different places to intertwine and interact and therefore share this culture with one another um so it would have overall just changed the culture of a majority of the world the fall of rome so the empire uh, the roman empire began to divide into western and eastern parts um, the capital did remain um, as Rome, and then Constantinople was the capital of the Eastern Roman Empire. Um, there was also a lot of concern of invading tribes. Um, Germanic tribes were starting to invade, as well as the Huns were coming from Asia. Now, there are many theories pertaining to how exactly Rome fell. Um, a couple of them are that Christianity... Um, put an emphasis on this idea of a spiritual kingdom, which ended up weakening Rome's military virtues and values of the people. Um, another is that the traditional Rome, Roman values declined as um, non-Italians gained um, importance and providence within these empires. Um, again, that change of values. There's also another theory that states that there was a case of lead poisoning through the water pipes, um, which caused a mental decline in the population. Um, There's also another theory that a plague wiped out one-tenth of the population. There's also theories that because Rome 
um, had so many slaves that they failed to advance in other technological areas because they relied on their um, their slavery to help them rather than advancing on their own. Um, and they were also unable to put together a workable political system. And you can see that through the evolution of Rome that they were constantly going back and forth through different systems and they weren't able to find one that worked perfectly. Alright, that's it for today here on the Roundtable History Podcast. We'd also like to thank our sponsors over at the American Museum of Natural History for allowing us to take you, the listener, on this amazing journey through the Roman Empire here today. We hope you learned at least one new thing here today. And join us next week for a new episode on some of the wonderful mysteries of the Greek civilization. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm your host, Maya Melendez, and I'll see you next time.